This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the nervous system and polyvagal theory. Now, one of the things that I have learned over the course of my own kind of self-healing journey over the last four or five years is kind of making friends with my nervous system. Um, What I found with my um, anxious attachment style was that I was not operating from a very safe place within my nervous system. And I was often operating from a place of fight or flight. And so the more that I explored polyvagal theory, and the nervous system, and the more that I learned how to regulate my nervous system, and the more that I learned how to transform the stories in my mind um, that I would create in order to like keep myself safe or to you know protect myself, um, that I would really use as a defense mechanism, really helped me change the way that I spoke to and about myself. Um, which is what uh, my mentor, Tom Shea, he's a retired Navy SEAL, he calls internal dialogue. So that's the stuff that you say to yourself about yourself. And when I first started on my journey, um, I said a lot of negative things. Um, I I wasn't able to uh, really tell myself that I loved me. Um, you know, that, that I was making sure that I was safe. And again, whether you, um, have any of the insecure attachment styles or whether or not you're even securely attached, there are going to be times when, you know, your nervous system, um, moves into different states. And so that's what I'd like to talk about today. Um, these different states And if we have time also to really get into um, some ways that I have personally used to kind of soothe my nervous system. Um, A lot of this has to do with soothing my inner child, like I said, um, setting boundaries. Um, uh, As I said before, um, you know, uh, working with my attachment style, working on healing my anxious attachment, becoming more secure. And a lot of that also had to do with um, changing my internal dialogue, what I said about myself. So polyvagal theory really says that the nervous system, um, I know that most people would say is king, but as a woman, I like to say uh, is queen. Um, but what I found is that a lot of times, especially when your nervous system has been triggered, is that, you know, in your mind, you really just hear and feel, uh, hear in your mind and feel in your body that there's really just something wrong with you. Um, I know for myself, um, I am an INFJ as a Myers-Briggs personality type. I'm also a type four on the Enneagram. Um, and you know, when it comes to the Enneagram, I'm definitely a sexual self-preservation for, or a self-preservation sexual. Um, it's funny, I actually came out um, exactly equal on both of those on a couple of the different tests that I've taken. Um, but particularly as an INFJ, as someone who is highly sensitive and also um, empathetic, um, you know, an empath, um, 
I, I for a long time felt that there was something wrong with me. Um, not in the way that there was like a mental health issue, but just that my nervous system gets out of place sometimes, which I think is actually very true of a lot of people, not just if you're an INFJ. Um, but one of the things that I really experienced and continue to experience sometimes as an INFJ is a kind of a grip stress. Um, if someone is yelling at me, um, sometimes if the person doesn't really matter that much to me, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but if for some reason there is some sort of closeness, um, I don't know if you can see it outside of my body, but you can definitely see it, or I can definitely feel it within my body. And, um, it's like this gripping sensation. It's this like kind of total, fuzzy chaoticness kind of in my body. Um, sometimes it, it takes a little while for it to dissipate. Other times it doesn't. And I think because of that feeling, I have often thought that there was something wrong with me. Um, and it's really a limiting belief that I have harbored for a very long time. Um, that my emotions are too much. Um, over time, I have learned how to manage my emotions or to use my emotions more uh, appropriately. Well, appropriately might not be the right word, but, you know, not bottle them up so much. Um, and I think the other thing that I've really learned that has helped me a lot is uh, getting in touch with my anger, getting in touch with my shadow self, um, all those repressed kind of feelings, but also realizing that I'm not everything I think and I'm not everything that I feel. And so I can kind of let some of those things go or even just simply observe them from a slightly detached place. But at the same time, um, I do have a lot of strong emotions. Um, I used to be a child who, uh, or, you know, an adolescent who, uh, I didn't cry much. Um, my feelings were often hurt a lot by other people. Um, but now kind of realizing that I was kind of a repressed sexual four on the Enneagram. Um, now I'm much more in touch with my feelings. I don't, I don't push them down. I don't limit them in the same way. And so, you know, a, a lot of that is, you know, I will take the time, you know, go for a walk every once in a while. I think part of it just has to do with where I am in my menstrual cycle, but sometimes it is also, I just need to cry a little bit. Um, and I have found that the more often, you know, if I'm at home or something like that and I have a strong emotion and I feel like crying, it's okay to do so. I kind of dispel that energy and then I kind of take some time and reset my mind a little bit and say, okay, uh, you know, that was, um, that was some strong emotions. There certainly are people in the world who can deal with those emotions. There are also people who cannot. Um, but my emotions aren't too much. Um, I'm also enough. And that that's very different from the way that I was thinking, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I always thought that I was too much and not enough at the same time. And, you know, my emotions would feel um, too burdensome um, to both share with other people and 
Yet when I kind of pushed them down and bottled them up, I've also found that I'm someone with some anger, not like, you know, um, a nasty person, but you know, I've got some anger from time to time. And instead of again, repressing that, you know, really kind of dealing with it. And, you know, for me, a lot of, a lot of working with my nervous system was also understanding and taking a look at my environment and saying, wait a second, you're in a heightened state right now. I can feel it. I can feel it in my body. Um, which by the way, was something that I really had to tune into. Um, I on the any or yes, on the Enneagram, I am a heart center type. Um, but I also very uh, closely connect with um, type fives. Um, because although, yes, I am very much in touch with my emotions, I'm an INFJ. Um, I also have a very strong um, thinking kind of center as well. So the head and the heart are things that I really understand very well. But because my inferior function on the Myers-Briggs um, function stack is extroverted sensing, um, I have had to learn how to also be in my body. Um, as a kid, I was terrible at sports. I'd never liked a ball flying at my face, anything like that. It wasn't until college and later that, you know, I discovered something like rowing. Um, and then um, I found CrossFit. And I know that, you know, there are people who hate CrossFit. That's totally fine if that's you. Um, I've actually moved um, uh, the kind of exercise that I do now is with um, a guy by the name of Marcus Philly. You can totally look him up on Instagram. Um, he's a former CrossFit athlete, but he calls his programming function, functional bodybuilding. And um, I really appreciate that because it's a lot more of a wide range of movements but yet you can also do the Olympic lifting. You still get a lot of gymnastics movements. You still get the weight lifting, but you get dumbbell work and you get, um, the endurance work. So, um, anyway, not to go out of, go, to go off on a tangent on that. Um, but if you hate CrossFit, I totally get it. That's fine. Doesn't hurt my feelings. Um, I freaking love it. And, you know, one of the, so one of the things that I would do to get in touch with my extroverted sensing was, you know, um, lifting, working out, doing that kind of thing. I also picked up painting. Um, but in my nervous system, I had to learn how to get into my body. Um, it also helped again that I was doing this exercising and that I continue to do it. It helps me get into my body more easily. Um, but I, I had to kind of learn how to do some of those kinds of things. Um, because again, feelings and thoughts were much easier for me than what the body feels. Um, so if you do kind of feel like you're in a little bit of that place as well, um, maybe I, maybe I will do a podcast episode in the future on, um, you know, kind of getting into the body. Um, but polyvagal theory and, and understanding my nervous system really brought me a lot of, um, freedom and relief. Um, I realized that, you know, there was nothing wrong with me. Um, part of my heightened state was, you know, also because, you know, I've got a mother, um, with borderline personality disorder, probably also maybe some high functioning bipolar. And, um, not that I look down on her for that, but she can be, um, a challenging person to be around. And also, 
um, you know, as a child, I learned to not be very secure in who I was, um, not be very secure in, um, you know, my confidence, those kinds of things, um, partly because I was walking around on eggshells a lot. And so that kind of heightened um, this, um, you know, heightened my nervous system. Um, another thing as well was, you know, as a type four, I tend to have a bit of a drive, um, you know, always pursuing, always going after things. And what I found was I was becoming very drained. And by, you know, kind of um, going after what our very masculine dominated society said from that mindset um, was that, you know, I had to overwork myself, um, get less sleep, um, and push, 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 you know, kind of thing. And so what I've learned now is um, to really set my environment right for my nervous system. Um, I also have PCOS. And so my environment is very important. Um, you know, getting enough sleep, um, being someone who, yes, um, is very driven, um, who very much cares about their business and, you know, building wealth and all those things, yet at the same, you know, has a purpose in life. But also at the same time, I create rest for myself. Um, I, pay very close attention to the situations I'm in. Um, I notice if I'm overworking a little bit. Um, I notice if I haven't spent enough time um, playing or enjoying something. I set up most of my days now where, you know, um, I still get up fairly early just due to my personality type. Um, If you're interested in something, it's called chronotype. And it's actually um, these four different kind of sleep patterns. I tend to be a lion, um, up early. My, my, the best parts of my day are really in the morning. Um, and then I get tired towards the end of the evening. So I tend to go to bed pretty early, uh, or early compared to a lot of people. Nine, 10 o'clock, I'm in bed, usually reading whatever, but I've got this kind of morning routine where, I eat a, a really healthy breakfast um, with a lot of protein because that sets my blood sugar, um, sets my, you know, keeps my insulin from getting too high or too low first thing in the morning with my PCOS. Um, but it also sets my nervous system because I'm spending my morning, my best hours doing the things that are going to get me where I want to go when I'm 90 years old. And that has really helped my nervous system because by the time I leave the house, by the time I go out and do other work, um, I've already done the things that are necessary to make me, make me successful for that day. And partly because I'm pursuing my purpose, you know, with this podcast, with um, Create Love Freedom, uh, with my business, um, with, you know, starting an online course, with... Um, you know, us doing the members club, doing these different aspects of my life, uh, which are very helpful and useful to other people. Um, I, I, I don't usually jump out, you know, jump from, um, kind of that healthier place, uh, in my nervous system to more of an unhealthy place to that fight or flight. Occasionally, yes, it does happen. But one of the things that if you are looking to regulate your nervous system, um, really pay attention to your environment. Look at the things that you can control. 
Uh, one of the things that I did after uh, a really bad breakup um, about four, almost five years ago now, um, I said, this is ridiculous. I just saved a bunch of money so I could go visit a man. I had to not only save for the trip, but I had to save for the month that or three weeks I was going to be gone because I wasn't going to be making any money at that time. So I had to save up for the next month. And he treated me like trash. And I said, uh, you know, I completely overworked myself beforehand, saving, saving, saving. I said, why are we doing this? For a man? Now, in this case, that man wasn't the right man. But what I really looked at was, what about my environment? You're completely overstressing yourself. You're not getting enough sleep. You're operating from this heightened place in your nervous system. That doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, you know, every once in a while, certainly. But for the most part, I want to live in the green, not in the yellow or the red. So um, this is where polyvagal theory and understanding my nervous system really has helped me in my life. Um, This also really helps my PCOS because, um, you know, again, I was feeling tons of adrenal fatigue. Um, I was, um, you know, I have a underproducing thyroid and I also, um, you know, uh, have some insulin resistance. Now I've worked on all of this. I also take a lot of supplements, but so much of it was also my environment. Um, and one of those things was learning how to heal my, um, anxious attachment and looking at polyvagal theory and looking at my nervous system to also create a much healthier space for my body. So polyvagal theory really shows how the um, autonomic nervous system controls our inner internal environment automatically. It really works below our level of consciousness and it is completely kind of a, a, a natural and an organic system. And so there are two branches of the autonomic system, uh, autonomic nervous system. So there's the sympathetic, and this activates the fight and flight response. And then there's the parasympathetic, sometimes called rest and digest. But the system is really an energy conserver. Um, this is that kind of place where you feel calm inside. You feel a sense of freedom. You, although maybe slowly, you are taking steps and progressing every day towards that higher purpose, towards that life that you desire, that you crave, right? It's much harder to do that in the sympathetic, um, the, the flight or fight, um, uh, response, right? And so both of these branches work together and in response to safety and danger. So what that means is that we automatically adjust to the cues of safety and danger around us. Um, Think about it this way as well. Um, Certainly for me in childhood, I was in a more heightened state throughout my childhood, throughout my adolescence, because sometimes my environment was dangerous. Um, Whether that was physically dangerous, not always, not very often, but definitely emotionally dangerous, psychologically dangerous. I never knew when my mother was going to break down and cry and sob or kind of go into this fit of rage and anger. 
and just kind of like try to dump um, her toxic emotions and expect my sister and I to really absorb those. So what's really fascinating is that these cues of safety and danger can be from the our external environment within our bodies, or simply from our perceptions, from our mind, which I find really fascinating. Because again, I think one of the other ways that I've really changed my nervous system, you know, and make sure that I'm really operating in that um, parasympathetic space more than I was before, is that um, you know, it was again, it was really changing my internal dialogue, what I said about myself. I can't believe how awful and nasty I was to myself, how much I put myself down. No wonder why I also struggled with um, you know, feelings of confidence, feelings of self-esteem and self-worth. And again, perceptions trump reality a lot of the time. The stories that we create in our mind, the things that we tell ourselves really trump what's really going on around us, which is the one, one of the reasons why it's very hard to separate ourselves, right? That's why we've got to become aware that yes, we may be doing this and then begin to really kind of tune in and listen in. How am I treating myself? Ooh, wow. Oh, I just said something really nasty there. One of the things that, you know, I commonly said in the past was, you're such an idiot because I cared a lot about being very smart. I wasn't an idiot. I just did something that was kind of dumb or, you know, silly or whatever, or made a simple mistake, right? And I think one of the important things that polyvagal theory really teaches us is that it's not only about if you are safe, but also if you feel safe. Every autonomic response from your autonomic nervous system then is in service of finding safety, security, and survival for you. And, um, you know, what I found for me was really at the heart of anxiety, being someone who was anxiously attached is really an inability to feel safe. Um, and therefore, you know, kind of constantly being stuck in survival mode. Um, and there's a, there were a lot of consequences of being stuck there. Burnout. Um, I never really had the panic attacks. Like I said, I would have more grip stress. Um, but there was, you know, um, trauma because I felt things in a way or would take things very personally. Uh, one of the ways actually that I healed that in case, um, that is something that you struggle with as well, taking things really personally. Um, for me, it was reading, um, the book, The Four Agreements. Uh, one of the agreements is don't take anything personally. Nothing anyone ever says or does has anything to do with you. It has to do with how they see the world, right? The stories, the trauma, the wounds that through which they try to see through, right? Now, um, you know, it, it hurts a lot less um, in interactions with other people um, or, you know, with my mother, things like that, because I understand that she just has a lot of her own unhealed trauma. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Never did doesn't have anything to do with me. So now I can learn how to kind of distance myself from that. 
and, you know, um, you know, uh, one of the other uh, kinds of consequences, you know, of being stuck in, you know, anxiety and the inability to feel safe and kind of being in that survival mode is also physical illness. Um, you know, I think that that's one of the reasons why my PCOS got so, uh, at one point, so out of control was, you know, there was this physical illness to, um, to my body as well, because I was constantly putting it in a place of stress. Managing my stress has done, um, uh, just absolute wonders for, you know, my PCOS for managing my thyroid and my, um, adrenal fatigue, right? Uh, my, um, insulin resistance as well. So I think one of the more important, uh, most important things to do and, and do it right now for me, if you will, ask yourself, do I feel safe? Does my body feel safe? And not, you know, you can, you can certainly do the physically safe. Am I physically safe where I am right now? But also, do I feel emotionally safe? Do I feel that there's emotional stability in my life? Do I feel psychologically safe? Or do I constantly kind of feel in this place of not feeling good enough? Um, or feeling like I'm too much? Not enough and too much at the same time. So polyvagal's theory states that our autonomic nervous system um, automatically adjusts between three different modes of being and experiencing ourselves in the world. And so these modes are, uh, um, or states adjust based upon cues of safety or danger. And they occur in a specific order. And there are consequences, you know, like I said, um, if we if we get stuck in those different states. And we can't choose the state. Our body will take over. But we really can influence the states. And the three states are referred to as safe and social. And then the second is fight and flight. And the third is shutdown. And these are reactions to safety and danger. Um, both again, in our external environment around us, but also our internal environment, how we feel about ourselves and really become filters. We view our, again, our internal and our external world through. And these states can be thought of as steps on a ladder. And as they are stacked on top of each other, um, they're really stacked on top of each other, I should say, in the body and move from oldest to newest in terms of like the evolutionary lens. So let's go through these three states. First is safe and social. And this is where you ideally want to exist. Um, this is what I like to call the green state. Uh, colors are things that tend to help me quite a bit. Um, you know, I can kind of visualize, I think a little bit better, a state when um, I think of the colors. So this state controls the heart and facial expressions. So in your safe and social state, your social engagement system is in full effect. And when you feel safe, you can take deeper breaths. Um, your heart rate is slower. Uh, you can engage in stillness. 
and you're primed for health, for optimal health, because oxygen is available for restoration. Your cognitive skills, collaboration capacity, and problem-solving ability are really at their highest. They're really firing. And you make eye contact with people and can be in close proximity to others. Uh, The proximity might be a little bit different um, if you're more of an introverted or an extroverted person or some other personality factors. But in general, you feel at ease having some proximity to others. Either um, could be strangers, could also be um, people you're closest to. Um, Again, I think this also really plays into intimacy, right? When we're in a heightened state, a fight or flight, a shutdown state, intimacy doesn't have a place, right? Our deepest relationships operate from a place of belonging, a place of being understood, a place of allowing someone or or asking someone to um, offer reassurance, whatnot. You might have been in a slightly heightened state, but you want to move towards or you want to come back to or you've already moved back towards this kind of green place. Uh, The next is fight and flight. This state is activated when your nervous system picks up on cues of danger. Um, Again, this uh, is more than just physical danger. This is also psychological, emotional, spiritual, sexual danger. The message is sent to the nervous system that life is dangerous. The state is stacked in the middle of the ladder or in the middle of the spinal column. And this state is activated by the sympathetic nervous system and controls the limbs and prepares the body for mobilization. So again, this is where I would kind of get that grip stress. Um, again, it, it happens every once in a while to me <laughs> still, um, but much less frequently than it used to. Think about this as well when it comes to attachment style. And if you are someone who was, uh, who attached insecurely, either anxious, avoidant, or disorganized attachment, that means that you were in this heightened state in childhood because your parents, your primary caregivers, were not safe for some reason. Could have been they weren't taking care of your needs as a baby, um, as a young adult, as a teenager. But it also could, you know, this could be, um, you know, from a financial aspect as well, right? Um, Not having the resources that you need, which makes it very hard to learn, which makes it very hard to to grow, to um, have interpersonal uh, relationships. But it could also have been from a psychological place. Your needs weren't getting met psychologically or emotionally. Um, There was some sort of disconnect that... Um, happens because our parents have unhealed wounds themselves. And so they often create unhealed wounds uh, within their children. Now, lastly, um, the third state is shutdown. Um, This is the oldest evolutionary system. This is really the freeze or shutdown state. The system is located in the belly or the gut. And it's activated when the nervous system picks up the cue of not only danger, 
but that your life is in danger. And um, I've heard a lot of people talk about um, kind of being in this state when they are disassociating. Um, could be other reasons as well. But, um, you know, these are kind of those, those main, um, those main three. And I think that, you know, over time, you know, in the beginning, I think it can feel unpredictable, but I think over time, this trigger, right? Um, this kind of trigger response that we have to moving to these different states, um, you know, could have been from, you know, the wrong sound, smell, taste, look, environment, energy, etc. But eventually, the trigger will become identifiable. Um, you really, though, have to align your autonomic nervous system, you have to align with it, and understand the process of neuroception and really understand the process of, you know, what were the triggers? What are the things that are going on? Um, you know, neuroception is the body's ability to detect risk outside of our conscious awareness. Um, the risk identified, you know, outside of your awareness could be from the external environment inside your body or from your perception of something. And so, you know, what happens is, is that this detection is brought into the nervous system through the senses. So depending on the information, your autonomic nervous system, uh, neuroceps, it will really determine your mind and body's response. So we automatically adjust to safety or danger within our autonomic nervous system through neuroception. And if your nervous system neurocepts safety cues, you will be capable of receiving and uh, reciprocating, you know, um, maybe positive social behaviors like eye contact, full range of voice, safe touch, being in closer proximity. But, you know, if your nervous system, nervous system neurocepts, um, you know, kind of uh, trigger danger cues. Your behavior will reflect that of fight, flight, or freeze. So neuroception is responsible for shifting the body between these three different states. So these three states unlock different behavioral patterns. And we lose the ability to behave in um, kind of uh, very social ways, uh, very positive social ways, when we sense danger um, of some kind, right? Whether it's physical, emotional, mental, um, psychological, whatnot, um, and move into this survival state. So it's important to know that defense behaviors are then survival-based. Um, it's also important to understand that there are healthy and unhealthy neuroception responses. And this is really correlated to trauma. And so with healthy neuroception, the body really detects and shifts to appropriate states based on the environment. You're able to use socially healthy behavior in safe environments, and the body doesn't throw up defenses 
unless in danger. And so when neuroception is unhealthy, the body doesn't accurately detect or shift states based on the environment. The body doesn't fight or flee in unsafe situations and doesn't use um, you know, social behaviors in safe environments. So you can't recognize red flags or aren't picking up on them. And this is a trauma response. So polyvagal theory also demonstrates that when you shift states, you create a story to explain why. I deserved it. I knew better. And the story is an attempt to make meaning of an experience. But often, as we talked about before, it's not rooted in reality. It's this story that your mind is creating. It, and it's a, it's a bit of a deception, right? Um, again, it's a protection mechanism. And in polyvagal theory, um, stories follow states. Often the story is filled with shame. And so that really perpetuates the believability of the story. And so understanding these different states um, within polyvagal theory, within your nervous system, really helps you understand the thoughts that race through your mind and the psychological responses you are experiencing in your own body whether you're being anxious or whether or not you are um, being very avoidant, right? Pushing people away. And there's, I found that there's really a lot of relief in knowing your nervous system is really just trying to protect you. Um, You know, in my case, sometimes now when I will have some grip stress, I look back on it and I realize that it was probably because the way the person was talking to me really represented um, perhaps something that happened in my childhood, right? Uh, something in the way that, you know, um, uh, my mother would uh, sometimes say things, right? And uh, there's actually been multiple times um, in one of the last relationships that I was in where I said, um, hold on, wait a minute what you said there just really triggered me. Um, but funny enough, I bet it has nothing to do with you. I bet it has to do with something that I learned in childhood. Um, something maybe my mother said or, or the way that she said something. Hold on. It probably doesn't have anything to do with you. Let me take a few deep breaths. Let me bring my anxiety back down. Um, because for me, the anxiety is really based in the fear of abandonment. But hidden behind that fear of abandonment is really the fear of intimacy. I crave deep intimacy or uh, particularly when I was much more anxiously attached, I craved intimacy, but I also feared it because I feared rejection. I feared abandonment because there was a lot of psychological um, and emotional rejection or devaluation of my feelings as a child. Um, so again, when you get into these heightened states, just know that your your body lear- is learning and had learned from a young age how to protect you. But you can also unlearn that to some degree or at least lessen it. One of the practices that I do when I get into a moment of kind of some of that grip stress is I often either while it's happening, because I can immediately feel it, um, or, uh, you know, after the fact, 
when I'm calming myself. I can also say, you know, I, I really will talk to my inner child and I'll, I'll kind of find little Allison with inside me. Um, the, the age of my little inner child will kind of uh, change a little bit. Um, but probably five, seven, 12 years old, something like that. Um, and I will hold her. I will soothe her. I will say, it's okay. I've got you. We're safe. Nothing's going to hurt you. I'm not going to let anything hurt you. I'm not going to let anything touch you. We can take some deep breaths. We can calm. Um, you know, and, and I'll kind of talk through some things with my inner child. And that has really been something very useful to help kind of bring me from that heightened state. Um, using, um, using some, again, uh, body work, right? Somatic work to really move myself from that heightened state back into a much more safe state where I don't create as many stories as well. When I learn to soothe my inner child, when I learn to change my internal dialogue, um, when, you know, also when I'm kind of constantly learning, you know, taking courses, listening to podcasts, um, you know, learning new things constantly, um, you know, constantly reading, right? Um, studying things. It, it also tends to help me a little bit where I can say, uh, you know, with my meditation and, and, uh, you know, exercising and getting good sleep and eating really well and whatnot, um, keeping my stress bucket low, having really good habits, continuing to build my life and move it in the direction that I want it to go really has also kind of um, been part of the foundation of being able to say, no, no, you really are safe. You really are okay. And then I don't put a negative story with it. The story that I created that was trying to help kind of protect me and, and really keep me safe. Um, it's not a story of shame and really perpetuating the believability of the story anymore, right? And I stay much more rooted in reality. Um, and so I am hoping that this was very helpful for you to, you know, kind of look at polyvagal theory, look at these uh, three different states, and also kind of see it through the lens of really becoming friends with your nervous system. Uh, learning how to work with it and knowing that you actually can make quite a lot of positive changes. It doesn't mean that you're not going to move into, um, you know, a, a sympathetic state at some point. Um, but at the same time, you can uh, learn how to kind of lessen that and also uh, learn how to, you know, heal uh, a lot of your trauma and your wounds along the way. And I think that that will really go a long way to helping you um, heal your um, your nervous system, uh, stay in a much healthier place and feel a lot more calmness. And just, I like to call it just like freedom in my life. Um, I'm not held back in the same ways by my mind, by my feelings, um, and also by my body where it will take over um, to try to keep me safe because I've learned how to do that in a lot of other ways. Uh, one additional thing I will also say, um, 
has been learning how to keep my body physically safe. Um, is probably very controversial, but I am someone who shoots firearms um, in a very safe kind of manner. Um, my father has taught me very good firearm safety, and I continue to uh, take uh, lessons. And um, I very much enjoy shooting trap and skeet and sporting clays. Um, also enjoy pistol shooting. Um, and so knowing that I can handle myself in certain situations is very good. Uh, the other thing that I have done, particularly as a woman, um, is um, training jujitsu. Any martial art, I think, is really wonderful for me. I really enjoy jujitsu. Uh, but in the beginning, when I started jujitsu, I, you know, again, was coming off of a really bad breakup, um, did not feel physically safe, um, sexually did not feel safe. And so it was difficult to have, um, you know, a 230, 260 pound dude on top of you, right? Um, yet at the same time for myself, I also realized that one of the ways that I could feel safer in my body was actually knowing that I had some skills to protect myself. I very much believe that police and fire um, and EMT, um, they're a second line of defense. I'm my first line of defense. I'm the first one who's going to save me or save others around me. Um, now, that doesn't mean that, you know, I am going to be able to go, you know, a bunch of rounds with an MMA fighter. Of course not. Um, I certainly don't have, um, you know, those kinds of skills. But in my opinion, um, sexual assault, um, especially for women, it's not if, it's when. And I think that, you know, part of feeling safe, part of being able to tell my you know, tell little Allison, tell my inner child that I can keep her safe is also having some skills um, to do so. So just a parting thought um, does not mean that you have to uh, go out and do, uh, you know, begin jujitsu, but it's just a thought, finding ways that work for you um, to really help you uh, with that. Um, another way that I find that really helps me stay safe is by continually doing my self-healing work. And um, as I mentioned before with my bad breakup, um, it was really frustrating for me because I was like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. And that's actually one of the reasons why I created the Create Love Freedom Members Club. And this is a monthly membership um, where each month you will... Uh, or I will present a new masterclass and it will be a self-healing topic. In the past, we have done um, boundaries. We've done inner child work, um, healing your inner shadow, um, looking at both Myers-Briggs personality type as well as um, your uh, looking at, um, um, you know, attachment style. Um, I also went through last month, I went through um, the feminine journey, uh, which was very helpful to me to see the different cycles that I went through as a woman and kind of where I was in that cycle. Um, and then uh, this next month in December, which is just a few weeks away, uh, we will be actually this podcast will probably be released in December. Um, we will be discussing uh, healing the abandonment wound. And 
Each one of these masterclasses comes with multiple videos for you to uh, listen to, work through. And then there's also a workbook so that you can really um, print it out. You can return to it and you can work on these different aspects of self-healing in your life. I believe that we can be our own self-healers. We can be our own teachers. Um, but sometimes it's really nice to have a platform where you can learn how to do that. So the members club is $29 a month. And when you sign up, you will have access to all of the previous content. And then each month you will have access to the new content, um, which um, I will uh, release each month. Um, so if you are interested in that, you can go to createlovefreedom.podia.com and you can sign up um, by using the members club link and you can sign up there. Or if you follow us on Instagram, uh, you can uh, go to at create love freedom and you can click on the link in our bio and sign up for a members club there. Again, I hope that this conversation was helpful for you today. Until next time.